3: Hello and
2: welcome to this Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. A lot to cover here in this hour. Don't forget we do this show each weekday live at 11 a.m. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. If you can't join us live here on the Big X, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available uh, basically any place you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And you'll find us there. Don't forget the uh, Thornton's text line is open 502 414 1450. Again, 502 414 1450. And you can download the Thornton's Refreshing Wards rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. We'll lead the show today with New Albany Jeff. Last night we had the broadcast on the Big X and uh, different for a Wednesday night ball game. Uh, a rivalry game that means so much in our area. Two teams that don't have the normal records that they do this time of year uh, and unsure what the crowd would be like, especially on a Wednesday night, especially in this COVID time where crowds here in Southern Indiana hoops haven't been the same as what we remember a few years back. But I thought last night from the students to the fans for a Wednesday night, it was a great turnout at the doghouse and Really, for the most part, a good game. Jeff got up early. New Albany fought back. Uh, then Jeff built a bigger lead in the third period. New Albany uh, b- got back within six points <clears throat> or so late later in the game. But I'll tell you this. My takeaway is Jeffersonville is a dangerous ball club. And if you took someone to the ball game last night and you didn't tell them the struggles that Jeff has had this season... You didn't tell them the Red Devils' record heading into the contest last night. I'm not sure that anyone would believe that that victory last night uh, for Jeff over their rival put their record ahead to 6-9 and nine on the season and 500 at 3-3 three and three in the Hoosier Hills Conference. From Will Lovings-Watts to other seniors like Kobe Studemeyer and Brandon Razor-Moore, even some of the youth on the Red Devils roster, Brenton Moore specifically last night. uh, The Red Devils have plenty of tools, plenty of weapons, and when the drawing comes out on Sunday evening from Indianapolis for the state tournament uh, here a few weeks from now, we'll learn the pairings this week, this Sunday. I wouldn't want to draw Jeffersonville in that opening game of the tournament. The Red Devils still have a handful of regular season games left, and they can get on a roll. They're already on a roll. They've won – Four of their last five ball games now and uh, playing great basketball, their best of the season. We thought going into the season, I, I said this a n- number of times on this program, uh, that Jeff would be the front runner in the area this year. I thought they would win the Hoosier Hills Conference. I thought they would be the favorite heading into the sectional at March. Nothing's changed from a talent perspective, everything is still there, but they ran into so many roadblocks whether it was a suspension early on for Lovings Watts that kept him out for a number of games, whether it was a COVID pause for the entire team. Their coach has had a few different health issues that have kept him out for lengthy periods of time, but uh, the talent is clearly still there, and we'll see if this team can put it all together in advance of the sectionals coming up here in just a few weeks. Last night for Jeff, Will Lovings Watts was the star uh, 22 points for him, but very solid games from Brandon Razor Moore. He had 16. Kobe Studemire had uh, 12. And then Brenton Moore came off the bench. He had 11 for the Red Devils. Uh, Lovings Watts with a number of dunks in the ballgame. Early on, it was almost like he and Justin Carter of New Albany were in some sort of competition to see who could throw down the best dunk. Justin Carter had two just big-time slam dunks with authority last night. He finished with 14 points for New Albany, and it was Tucker Bivin in the loss who was presented before the game with a uh, commemorative basketball recognizing his 1,000-point mark earlier this year against Jasper. He, uh, he had two points, two free throws at halftime. That's all that Bivin had at halftime. He came out in the second half and single-handedly really helped keep New Albany somewhat close to Jeffersonville. Uh he had 16 points in the second half <clears throat> as New Albany uh, and Bivin finishes with 18 in the ball game last night. So 70-58 the final score. Uh at times it wasn't that close, at other times New Albany again trimmed it down to six points and made it very entertaining in that uh fourth period of play, but nonetheless the Red Devils get the big win and you know this New Albany Jeff game is normally early in January. It's something to look forward to. Coming out of the holidays, we're not used to it being played in late to mid February like it was last night. And the game I thought last night for whoever won uh, would be a real late season boost to finish up the regular season and to uh, get ready for Seymour and Jeffersonville got that boost last night as they improved to just six and nine on the year, but they are the best six and nine team our area has ever seen. If they can play together and play uh, like they did last night, this Jeff team has a chance in the postseason to win the sectional, to knock off a a really good Floyd Central team, to move on to the regional, and who knows what happens there. It's a Jeff team that with a lot of these guys won the, the uh, a sectional last year in thrilling fashion. What was it? A uh, triple overtime game on Friday night, uh, the, uh, that uh, sectional semifinal day to get to the championship games on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, they beat Bedford-North Lawrence. That was a, a good game as well in the sectional title game. And they just got beat at the very end of the game against Bloomington South, who uh, you know was was very tough regional competition. So Jeff is, for real, Jeff is getting better. Their situation is improving. And I think you can add the Red Devils squarely in the mix uh, for things coming up at the Seymour Sectional in just a few weeks from now. Pairings come out on Sunday night, and we'll know where the Red Devils and the Highlanders and the Bulldogs and 4A3A, 2A1A, a will know the path for everybody when those get released on Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, before we get into the bulk of our show, we've got a special show coming up on Sunday night. After the pairings broadcast from Indianapolis, Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown, uh, who's with me on Mondays here on this show. He's going to come down to our studios uh, at 7 o'clock, and we'll have an hour-and-a-half pairings reaction show with local coaches on Sunday. Uh, Todd Sturgeon of Floyd Central is going to join us. Ryan Miller of Providence, two of the teams that we think in this area have the best chance to make a postseason run. Coach Grants, Coach Shannon will be with us. Coach Nash of Borden and others will join the program as well. Uh, So we'll have that coming up on Sunday night. IHSA Commissioner Paul Neidig is also going to stop by on Sunday as well and uh, chat with us about the tournament. Just a lot going on in high school hoops right now in our state. So a fun show coming up on Sunday night. And then other programming notes looking ahead. We've got uh, Bedford at New Albany on Friday night. We've got the Silver Creek Girls on Saturday afternoon at the 3A semi-state. They'll take on Indianapolis Bishop Chittard in that game. And then on Sunday, obviously the Pairing Show followed by the Pairing's Reaction Show. It's been a very busy week of basketball here on the Big X, and that's how we like it. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We'll have some headlines, a uh, some news of the day from Southern Indiana Sports and, of course, IU basketball and more. And then later in the show coming up, we'll have uh, with us on this Thursday, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, who will join us for a segment today on IU basketball. We'll talk some Big Ten as well because Rutgers beat Illinois last night. I'll have more on that coming up here in just a second. We'll also get into IU's game against Ohio State. And Alex is just kind of the perfect guy uh, coming out of this four-game slide for the Hoosiers to reset things with and just go through some of the struggles and go through some specifics with different players and we plan to do that today with Alex when he joins us coming up here in just a bit. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Don't forget you can send in. Questions, comments, topics you want to talk about on the Thornton's text line, that number is 502 414 1450. Again, 502 414 1450. Let's begin our headlines with the uh, Illinois Rutgers game last night. You know, I said earlier this week in talking about the Big Ten that almost once a week, if you go back, sometimes even twice a week, the last month, there has been a big surprise in the conference standings or in a conference result. Uh, That affects the standings and uh, Purdue uh, has been involved in some of those surprises before, but last night it was Illinois that was defeated by Rutgers and uh, Rutgers playing at home actually uh, got the wins pretty solidly. Ron Harper Jr. 16 points. In 35 minutes, uh, he did have a hand issue, which is something to note because IU has a game coming up a little bit later with Rutgers. But I tell you what, uh, Rutgers, a team that you know has consistently had some big wins in the conference going all the way back to the start of the year. It was an 11-point win last night, 70-59 for Rutgers over the uh, Ill- Fighting Illini, who, who were number one in the Big Ten Conference. And so now you've got Wisconsin, who got the win, eeked the win out against IU, who didn't play very well in the closing minutes of that ball game earlier this week. Now they are right there for a conference championship, even closer than they were uh, before the game with IU earlier this week. So just crazy. The Big Ten has been really good. There have been great games to watch on a weekly basis. And very surprised to see Illinois get handled the way they did last night. The question, obviously, with Rutgers ahead for IU coming up and just a bit as well as you know, how, how severe is the injury for Harper, who left the game uh, with two minutes and 34 seconds to play. The trainer took him out. He appeared to be grabbing a finger on his left hand uh, and jammed it on an inbound is what I believe the situation was. I didn't see it live on TV. But uh, it will be uh, – I read a story this morning from the New Jersey paper that said uh, one reporter observed Ron Harper Jr. mouthing to his teammates, quote, it's bad, end quote, as he walked off the floor. So, again, it's a finger, it's a hand, but uh, if it's a bad situation, will he be out for a while? Would he miss uh, the IU game coming up uh, here down the stretch for this Indiana team? So we'll see. But a big win for Rutgers last night, but uh, some real concern as the game came to a close with Ron Harper Jr. uh, in some pain and apparently with a somewhat severe hand injury. I'm sure we'll Find out more on that, but Harper Jr. looks to be out, at least for now, with uh, Rutgers. Also, Victor Oladipo update. We haven't talked much about Vic because he's been recovering. He's not been active uh, in games for the Miami Heat. Uh, But yesterday he uh, uh, participated in five-on-five workouts for the first time since the surgery, which took place back uh, last May uh, on his quad. So he's making progress actually getting in Five on five, full court stuff, and it sounds like he is inching closer uh, to a possible return. I think I've seen it out there that uh, maybe he could um, that maybe he could return at some point coming up in the uh, in the playoffs if Miami advances far enough. But we'll see and keep an eye on Victor Oladipo down in Miami. Also, one Big Ten football note: I uh, thought this was interesting after kind of flirting with the NFL and some opportunities there. In the offseason, Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh is uh, now set uh, to remain as the Wolverines head coach with a new 5-year, 36.7 million dollar contract with Michigan. Uh, this is uh highest paid it makes him one of the highest paid coaches in college football. His annual compensation begins at 7.05 million in 2022 and goes up to 7.63 million in 2026, uh, more than a $3 million increase from his 2021 base salary. So you uh, have a good year. You make the college football playoffs. Even if you flirt with uh, an NFL job or two uh, in the offseason, you can still come back home and get a big pay raise there, and that's exactly how things worked out for Jim Harbaugh. You know, there were times where he was squarely on the hot seat at Michigan, and instead of a raise or an NFL job, you think he might be looking for a lesser – college job next season, but uh, a big year for Michigan. I know they think they're set up for some big future seasons as well, uh, and uh, we'll see how the Wolverines do with uh, Coach Harbaugh back now with more money on his contract and uh, set to be there through 2026. Also, IU basketball, uh, a reminder, I think a lot of people think the uh, the quick turnaround will take you to another Saturday game. The uh, Ohio State game was moved to Monday, so February twenty one is the next IU ballgame that's at Ohio State. So another tough one coming up for the Hoosiers, who are right now in the middle of a four-game losing streak. IU desperately needs to break the streak. To do so on the road at Michigan, at Ohio State rather would be huge. And, of course, after Ohio State, you've got Maryland, Minnesota, Rutgers, and Purdue. Maryland and Rutgers at home, Minnesota and Purdue on the road. And then the Big Ten Conference tournament in Indianapolis begins March 9th, through the 12th. And there was a time where IU fans planning to go to the tournament that like going to the big 10 tournament. It's so fun to see all those games for a number of days. There was a time where I was sure that you probably uh, would not play on March 10th, um, you know, get a buy through the first day, but uh, with how things are going with this team, I'm not uh, set on that at all anymore. I think it's still likely the Hoosiers don't play that first day, but if they don't stop the slide, uh, very soon we'll see when IU does get started in the Big Big Ten bracket. And it's just about time to start paying attention to uh, the Big Ten standings from a placement situation on who would play uh, where in the in the Big Ten bracket and what the matchups would look like. Those should start coming out here really in the next few days to give you a look uh, updated each day with what Big Ten uh, bracket and the tournament bracket could look like uh, for, for early March coming up here with where the standings are at. That's look at our headlines for this. Thursday edition of the program. Again, a very busy week here on the Big X. We've got more high school basketball Friday night as New Albany hosts Bedford North Lawrence. On Saturday afternoon, we'll be at the Silver Creek Girls 3A semi-state game at Jeffersonville as they take on Indianapolis Bishop Tattard. The Creek Ladies are one win away from getting back to Indianapolis and playing for a 3A state championship once again. So that coming up on Saturday. Then on Sunday... We've got the uh, pairing show from 5 to 7 p.m. Those come down from Coach Bob Lovell up in Indianapolis. We'll pick up that entire program. And when that comes to a close, we'll have a local pairings reaction show. I think we've got eight different guests set to join us in an hour-and-a-half period on Sunday night from 7 to 8.30. We'll have the schedule and more on that coming out here a little bit later this week. Stay with us, Alex Bozic of Inside the Hall is next. We'll talk IU basketball, their current woes, four-game losing streak, Ohio State game on the road set for Monday, Big Ten overall, Rutgers win last night, and more coming up here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Thursday edition of the program. Alex Bozage of Inside the Hall is with us to talk IU and the Big Ten. And, Alex, I guess just to start with this, we've had a few days to digest the latest loss. Uh, of course, kind of falling apart at the end of the game, did Indiana in the loss to Wisconsin at home earlier this week. Uh, where is this team at, and what exactly do you think is continuing to go wrong uh, where this team cannot close out games, and this team continues to struggle with shooting, and it almost seemed the other night that the wrong players got the big time shots at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to process with this whole situation, Matt. You know, start with the fact that late in games, Indiana's uh, you know guard play has left a lot to be desired. Uh, Xavier Johnson the other night, uh, I don't think the loss goes on him by any means, but the fact that he was three of 16 uh, obviously didn't help matters. Uh, they, when you go back and watch the game and Ryan Caraza uh, did, a, did a film session on this game that we published this morning. And I think it it's really uh, pretty enlightening when you watch it because Indiana got really good shots the last three or four minutes. They, They ran some some decent stuff, and they got some open looks. They just didn't make the the looks. And, you know, going back to to really the start of the Archie Miller era, you know, Matt, I've been on this show for several years, and I feel like we have the same conversations over and over about the shooting, and it hasn't gotten uh, any better. Uh, It doesn't matter if Archie Miller was the coach or – This year, Mike Woodson, uh, Indiana just doesn't have uh, the shot makers that needs on the perimeter. You know, Parker Stewart and Miller Kopp at times this year have been able to to knock in shots, but they haven't done it consistently or at the volume that you really need to be
3: successful.
1: And the other night, really, you know, you saw the difference between a team that has a guy that can take over it on the stretch, on the perimeter, and Johnny Davis with Wisconsin, and a team, Indiana, that just doesn't have that. Uh, I think it's a simple... Uh, As offensively this team is really challenged right now. They're 13th in the Big Ten uh, in points per possession per game uh, only ahead of Nebraska which objectively is one of the worst major conference teams uh, in general and and offensively uh, just really hard to watch. And Indiana while they do have some talented players inside with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, uh, the, the book is out on how to guard them and Teams are going to let Indiana, uh, certain guys on the, on the team, uh, make shots. And, you know, sometimes it can work. Um, you know, against Purdue, uh, they, they let Rob Fennessy, uh shoot from the perimeter and it backfired in and, and that uh, he was able to make enough shots for, for Indiana to win. But consistently, Indiana just does not have – uh, the players on the perimeter uh, that are good enough to beat the best teams in the Big Ten, uh, just because they don't they they don't shoot well enough and they and they don't finish plays well enough. But to me, it's it's not really uh, more complicated than that. You can talk about some of the things that Mike Woodson did during the game in terms of substitutions and some of those lineups he ran out there. I think there was like four or five subs on the floor at times. But that that kind of thing doesn't help. But I think late game execution. And being able uh, to make plays, Indiana just does not have a guy on the perimeter that can do
2: it consistently. All right, Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. You know, a four-game skid. We know the Northwestern game, uh, suspensions going into that contest. Obviously, Michigan Mm -hmm. State on the road, tough. Wisconsin at home, tough. And now Ohio State uh, on the road. That's going to be really tough for this team as well. So uh, we we all talked up this four-game stretch so much that it's a tough stretch. We – have admitted that we've talked about that. Uh, So is, is this a tough stretch where some of IU's struggles are being highlighted and the team after these four games can still win some and get back in the NCAA tournament picture? Or do you fear that maybe this is the beginning of the downhill uh, spiral and that this team may not be in contention for the NCAA tournament at all here in a few weeks?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody goes into Monday's game at Ohio State and expects them to win. So let's say they lose that game. At that point, they've lost five in a row. They're 16 and 10 in the Big Ten. They're seven or 16 and 10 overall. Seven and nine in the Big Ten. You've got four regular season games to go. Two of them at home uh, that looked winnable. Uh, but, but Maryland obviously is a talented team. They just took Purdue to the wire. And then Rutgers is objectively one of the not only the hottest teams in the Big Ten but hottest teams in the country. They're They're mowing down uh, Big uh, Ten-ranked teams. I think four straight now they're one of the ranked teams. And the the road game's in there, Purdue and Minnesota. So, you know, they're going to have to win probably three of those games to feel pretty good about making uh, the tournament. But my question would be, who do they have on this team from a leadership perspective that, if they lose five in a row, that's going to be able to to get everybody – back on the same page and, and put those losses in the rearview mirror and say, we're going to go out and win some games. Uh, I, I don't know that they have the, the leadership. Uh, you know, I, I found it curious. I'm not sure if you, if you listened or, or read any of the comments this week from Mike Woodson's radio show, Matt, but you know, he made a comment about something along the lines of, I wouldn't say that we have a leader right now. And to me, that's a pretty telling comment um, just about, this group in general and uh, who he can rely on um, in order uh, to get this team back on track in tough times. And so, you know, it's there for the taking still if they play well, but when you lose five in a row, I think mentally uh, you're really fighting an uphill battle. And I just really wonder who's going to be able on this roster uh, to lead them uh, back into uh, the right frame of mind and, and be able uh, to get them back on track. That would be my biggest question. I don't think it's a matter of can they beat the, some of those teams that I mentioned. I, I think they're capable. We've seen them beat Purdue. We've seen them beat Ohio State. We've seen them beat some other good teams, Notre Dame this year. But uh, I, I, I do wonder if it kind of becomes you know a snowball rolling downhill of of negative momentum, and all of a sudden, uh, you're you're looking at a situation where they're not only losing five in a row, but you know seven or eight, and at that point, the season's over.
2: Alex Bozic inside the hall of my guest talking about IU's struggles. Let's talk about Ohio State. That game has been moved to Monday. Um, that <laughs> obviously is is tough. I mean, on the road, Ohio State is good, but. This Indiana team beat Ohio State on its own court earlier in the year when they were playing some of their better basketball of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean Ohio State has a lot to play for right now. They're playing; uh, they're they're in the mix right now for the Big Ten title. Uh, They've not played great lately, but you know they've played better than Indiana has. And you know the one advantage they have is. E.J. Liddell is is one of the best players in the Big Ten. I think at this point he's a lock for first-team All-Big Ten. I think he's in the race for uh, Big Ten Player of the Year. He played really poorly when Indiana played Ohio State uh, in January at home. I don't think you can expect a repeat performance. And Ohio State, maybe not to the level of a Wisconsin, but uh, they're a team that you have to play well and play smart against and – it's not going to beat itself, that you know, they, they just went on the road, I think, and beat Michigan. Uh, they've, uh, they've got a tough-minded group. I think they're really well coached. And, you know, the road has been uh, an issue for Indiana this season. They've only won uh, two road games at Nebraska and at Maryland. And uh, I think it's a game where they're going to be a pretty uh, decided underdog going into it. It, it obviously could be a, a game changer if they could find a way to go win, but, I think Ohio State is definitely a team that's uh, in the Big Ten title race and is going to be extremely focused. So Indiana is going to have to play uh, much, much better than what we've seen uh, in recent weeks if they hope to come out of there with a win.
2: Alex, at this time, as of February 17, based on net ratings and other projections out there, and just your own thoughts, is Indiana in the Big Ten or in the NCAA tournament? And – uh, what do they have to do to stay in there the rest of the way? Is there a certain number of wins at this point, based on the resume that you see? They need to get. Can you give us kind of your your take on what a trip to the NCAA tournament? What's needed for that trip to take place?
1: Yeah, I'm not a bracketologist, um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have Andy Bottoms from the Assembly call who does bracketology for Inside the Hall on my podcast uh, tomorrow. That should be out. Tomorrow afternoon, um, but just my opinion would be that in these final four regular season games, um, our, our final five rather, uh, Indiana is going to need to win three of them. Uh, so if you assume that they don't win uh, the Purdue game or the Ohio State game, that means they're going to need to beat Maryland at, and Rutgers at home and win at Minnesota. At that point, they would be 19 and 11, and 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. I think they'd probably be in, um, but it may depend on what happens at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. Uh, if there's anything less than 500 in the Big Ten, I think they're going to have to go to the Big Ten tournament and go on a run, maybe get to Saturday uh, or even the championship game uh, to have a chance uh, to make the tournament. The problem uh, when you get close to right on the bubble, where you're one of those, you know, last four in first four out situations at that point you're at the mercy of kind of what happens in some of these other conference tournaments there's some teams that obviously are going to be at large selections if they don't win uh, their conference tournament from some of the mid-major leagues and so if there's an upset or two there then all of a sudden uh, you can have a situation like what happened with Louisville last year where they were the first team out and uh, some team gets knocked off uh, in their conference tournament and all of a sudden uh, there's one less spot, and and you're in the NIT. So, yeah, I mean they've they've left themselves no margin for error, uh, really now, because you know have they won uh, the Wisconsin game? Have they won the Illinois game? Have they won the Northwestern game? Those three recent opportunities. have they won one of those games? I think the past the 19 or 20 wins becomes a lot more clear now. They've they've really uh, put themselves in a position where uh, they can't. Uh, They they can't lose uh, more than three of these final five games and feel good about their chances. I think they need to go three and two here the rest of the way, get to 500 in the Big Ten uh, overall, and I think they'll have a a somewhat uh, solid chance. They wouldn't be a lock at that point by any means, but... Uh, I think they would they would at least feel uh, somewhat confident that they were gonna get anything less than that, like I said, Matthew, you're gonna have to see a run to Saturday or Sunday in the big ten tournament.
2: Alex, you mentioned that, you know, you and I have talked about some of this stuff before and I was thinking earlier in the week, you know, here we are in mid February. I've got a lot of the same great IU guest on each day. You come on Thursdays and it's mm-hmm. almost like the players have changed a little bit, not a lot. The coaches have changed, situations have changed, but We're still it's it's almost like you could repeat some of the same conversations that we had, you know, this year, this time a year ago or or three years ago. And they would almost be relevant today. You may not know unless we mention specific names, what team you were talking about. Once again, for IU fans, uh, they find themselves uh, wondering and wishing and thinking maybe this isn't going to happen in Mike Woodson's first year.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the it's the same stuff we've talked about for really going back to the Romeo season. I mean, I think Archie's first year there was uh, obviously um, a little bit of understanding that he was taking over a new system and it was a new situation. I think if people were uh, a little bit more patient, and that team actually was was decent to watch. And I know they went to the Big Ten tournament. I think lost uh, to Rutgers, but you know they had. Uh, some decent play down the stretch of that season and gave people that you know thought that maybe they could be a postseason team but um yeah I mean really since that Romeo season it's been the same kind of thing in terms of the offense I mean the offense this year is worse than it, than it ever was under Archie Miller, which is hard to believe given some of the the players that are on this team like mean, Trace Jackson Davis and statistically a really good player the numbers he puts up on a night and night basis but this kind of speaks to the challenge I think overall Mike Woodson's going to have moving forward you know I've talked so much Matt about you know you asked me about recruiting and I've talked about the importance of the portal moving forward Uh, the portal is such um, a powerful tool potentially depending on who you can get out of there but there's no guarantee uh, that you're going to get players that mesh well together. I mean, when, when Indiana picked up Parker Stewart, and I don't know that was under Archie, but they added Xavier Johnson, they added Miller Kopp, they added Michael Durr. You know, you talk about those additions and the guys come in and they, they you know, we interview them all. And they're talking about how excited they are. And we look at their stats at their other school and we say, well, how this is how this guy's going to fit. You never really know until you get everybody in together. So I think moving forward, you know, Indiana is going to have to do a better job than what they did this year on, on who they bring in and finding guys that actually fit what Mike Woodson's trying to do. Because this play, this mix of players, at times has worked well together, but consistently it's not been good enough. And you see some of the same problems that we saw under Archie Miller with the stagnation on offense and uh, the lack of playmakers. I think, I think really, um, it, it, it's a challenge moving forward depending on how the roster looks next year and. And this year, uh, there's still some time to go, but it does leave you a little, uh, leave you scratching your head a little bit, wondering how this is going to improve and substantially uh, in the near future.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Talking to Alex Bozich inside the hall. Want to get into some Big Ten stuff with you. Last night, mm-hmm. Rutgers had a big win uh, by what, 11 points over Illinois. Uh, the concerning point there for Rutgers is Ron Harper Jr., who had a great game, went out with a. I think a finger or hand injury that appeared at mm-hmm. least what he said after the game or was caught by a reporter saying it, it appeared to be pretty concerning to him at least. Um so the Big Ten standings, once again, some movement. Purdue twelve and four, Wisconsin, who's just coming off the wind to IU eleven and four now. Illinois drops to eleven and four as well. Uh Wisconsin, who IU just saw, is right there in the mix to maybe win the Big Ten conference.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is only a game back in the loss column. I think there's four teams with four losses, if, if I'm not uh, wrong on that. I think Ohio State, yes, um, yes. Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, and Purdue. So those four all have a chance. And, and Rutgers, we'll see. Uh, they've been as hot as anybody. The, the thing about Rutgers, you look at some of their losses, they've lost to some of the worst teams in the league, and they've beaten a bunch of the best teams. So uh, they're they definitely playing their best basketball Um it's definitely looking like a year where we're going to have a co Big Ten champion. You know, I thought Illinois was going to be able to pull away, but that loss last night to Rutgers uh, was was obviously uh, a step in the wrong direction. And now with four teams right there in the mix, I think it's pretty wide open. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked at all to see uh, a co Big Ten champion. But you know, the thing about I think one thing that's really frustrating to a lot of IU fans, Matt, is they see a, a program like Rutgers that came into the Big Ten, took its lumps for several years, fired their coach, brought in Steve Pike. wasn't great for a couple of years, but he's built a culture there where, you know, they made the tournament last year. They would have made it during the COVID year had that season not been canceled. And it looks like they're going to make it again this year. It's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty substantial uh, turnaround. And and Indiana uh, is putting itself in a position now where they could miss the tournament uh once again and and I think that's kind of where sometimes the argument of Indiana doesn't have enough talent falls flat. If you look at the players on the record's roster just in terms of who they uh got in terms of the recruiting ranking, it's not all uh all that impressive. I mean they've got you know Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker and Paul Mulcahy and Cliff Amore, but they lost, you know, two of their best players from last year's team. Miles Johnson left and went to UCLA and Jacob Young transferred out to Oregon so they like most other teams dealt with some losses but they've continued to get better as the season goes along and you look at Indiana and how they played in late December early January to mid-January that was the best they played they they've seem to not have gotten any better and I think that is where you look at the question that I brought up earlier um, are they capable of turning it around could they beat some of these teams yes but the trend line on them is is the is the wrong direction. It's happened now for several years with this group of players where they, they play some of their better basketball early in the season and they don't seem to get better as the year goes along. So begs the question to me, like, what this roster is going to look like moving forward and kind of what type of individuals in Indiana needs to bring in the coming season to get this turned around.
2: Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guess, Purdue, obviously, right there at the top of the standings as well. Mm-hmm. You, add, you add fuel to the fire, Alex. If Indiana doesn't make the NCAA tournament and Purdue wins the Big Ten Conference, that's just another reason for IU fans to get more irritated with some of the actions here, some of the recent happenings. Yeah,
1: Purdue's good. Um, I, I think they have a chance to, to to win the Big Ten. I think they have a chance to potentially – uh have uh, a, you know an argument to get a number one seed my question about them is their defense is is as good as their offense is their defense is, is just not good enough and I wonder uh, and, I, and I say that in, in a way of not just not good enough to you know to be considered by me a team that's going to make the final four because in a tournament you got you got to win uh, you know obviously to, to keep advancing and, and purdue seems like a team that could be susceptible to you know, a hot perimeter shooting team, or a team that comes out because and hits, um, you know, some crazy shots early in the in the tournament. Because Purdue defensively is just not very sound; uh, they don't stop people, they just outscore you. And so I wonder how that translates. But yeah, I mean, they're uh, it seems like a wide open year, uh, just in general in, in college basketball. They're definitely a contender to, to make a run in March but I would just wonder uh, just how well they're going to be able to defend it doesn't seem like this is going to be a year where the Big Ten breaks its national championship job, unfortunately
2: yeah Alex final question for you and I get this a lot from listeners and IU fans but you know the transfer portal recruiting uh, IU need shooters there's no question about Mm -hmm. that true pure shooters and a lot of those type of players come from the Hoosier State but What does Indiana need to do to make sure some of these players they're recruiting and looking at in the transfer portal truly are going to fit into the offense and can maybe shoot it at the clip they're shooting it in high school or at their current college if they're coming from the portal? We heard so much about Parker Stewart that he was going to fill some of this void, and that's not necessarily been the case, at least on any kind of consistent basis at all this season.
1: Yeah, I think it starts with the point guard position to be honest matt i think you've got to have a point guard who can uh consistently facilitate uh for others and, and do things uh to make teammates better i'm not saying that xavier johnson hasn't done that at times but he hasn't done it consistently enough i think with better point guard play uh some of indiana's uh you know complementary players would, would potentially look better um that, like I said, that's not me criticizing Xavier Johnson because you know he's the player that Indiana chose to recruit. That's on the coaching staff uh, for uh, who they play and who they choose to give minutes to. I just think the play at point guard uh, needs to improve moving forward, whether that's Xavier Johnson coming back for another season or whether they go out and you know get another point guard out of the portal or Christian Lander develops or Jalen Huchifino plays more point guard than what we're expecting. I, I think that starts there, but the other thing I would say with the shooters is you got to have guys that can uh, not just catch and shoot, but go off the dribble. And you watch like two of the better shooters in the Big Ten this year Alfonso Plummer, who's a transfer from Utah to Illinois, and Sasha Stefanovic, who, interestingly enough, Indiana didn't recruit at all coming out of high school. They, they recruited his high school teammate, Grant Geelon. they didn't recruit him at all. You watch, they, they can shoot the ball in a variety of ways. They can come off a screen and make a shot. They can get themselves open a little bit off the dribble when they when they need to. Uh, and they can <clears throat> make difficult shots. Indiana shooters, Parker Stewart and Miller Cop, have to be wide open and they have to um, have their feet set and everything. But they, they don't really ever make any difficult shots. I think that's kind of something that Indiana has to do a better job of and recruiting is just find guys that can kind of mix it up in terms of how they get open and make shots. It's not easy to do. There's not always a ton of those guys out there. But I think really it starts with having more dynamic players on the perimeter, uh, particularly at the point guard position, and then have guys who are just uh, not as one-dimensional as what the has. half.
2: Most definitely. Alex Bozic with us Thursdays. You can read his website, InsideTheHall.com. Follow him on Twitter, at InsideTheHall. Alex Always appreciate your insight. We'll talk with you again next week.
1: All right, Matt. Thank you. Have a good day.
2: We'll head to a commercial break, come back with a final quick segment. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is going to join us. Uh, We were unable to catch up with him yesterday, but we'll talk some local sports and recap the New Albany-Jeff game from last night, talk about the girls' semi-state quickly as well. Stay with us for that as we wrap up a Thursday show. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Thursday program, a real quick chat with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, presented by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. Josh, I've got two things on my radar to start. Number one, Jeffersonville coming together at the end of the season, a win over rival New Albany last night and a little bit about the Silver Creek Girls and the Sima State coming up on Saturday. But the Red Devils, Josh, they've still got all the same talent. They're just finally getting a chance to put some reps together and come together as a team.
3: Yeah, I heard Andrew on your show the other day say that they've only had like 14 days of of practice with everybody there, so that's pretty crazy. But yeah, this is a... Perfect time to get rolling here. They've got uh, three games left in the regular season, and uh, they've got an opportunity to build up some more momentum going into the uh, going in the state tournament, uh, which is always uh, which always a good time to get hot. So yeah, we'll see we'll see if they can keep going downhill here and build up a lot of momentum heading into that Seymour sectional.
2: I still feel very confident in Floyd Central. I know they had a slip up late against Brownstown the other night. A very good Brownstown. Jack Benner led Brownstown team. Uh, so I, I I'm not at all changing my thoughts here, but I would not want to draw Jeffersonville uh, or have to play them right out of the gate in Seymour. I can tell you that much.
3: Yeah, that's for sure. You definitely don't want to. Uh, you definitely don't want to see Jeff on the on the line when uh, the selection show comes out on Sunday. That's for sure. Uh,
2: also, Josh uh, Silver Creek girls they'll vie for a semi-state championship on Saturday if they win. They'll go back to Indianapolis and the 3A state title game for the second season in a row. On paper, the Silver Creek team looks like the favorite to get back to Indianapolis. However, everybody I've talked to that knows this Bishop Chattard team at all, they say they're much different, much better now than what they were when they played Charlestown and got beat pretty badly by the Pirates earlier in the year.
3: Yeah, I think Chattard started off like 3-6 and six or something like that start to their season, um, but yeah, they've, they've, they've really been rolling.
2: Josh, when do we see Romeo Langford finally make his <laughs> debut for the Spurs? I, you know, Monday he was listed as available, then all of a sudden he wasn't going to play. And last night I I was so engulfed with other things, I'm not even sure if he was on the bench. I think he was at the game. But I- any insight of what, what's going on and maybe when we could expect to see him?
3: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, he was – was available last night, he just didn't play. Uh, Josh Richardson, who was involved in that trade with him uh, from the Celtics to the Spurs, uh, got off the bench and played, but Romeo did not. So, no, I, I'd, I'd, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see when uh, when he's going to get off the bench for the first time. I know they they're on a road swing right now, so you know um, it might be. Uh, I think they play Friday night, maybe. So, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's Friday night, Matt. We'll we'll see. Uh, you know. Uh, get a get a trust in pop i guess we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> all i right. play at washington on friday yeah
2: all right josh cook sports editor of the news and tribune josh we missed you on wednesday we had uh coach shannon coach grants on the day of the game the jeff new albany rivalry and wanted to catch back up on a couple of topics with you today so thanks for the chat and check out josh's work newsandtribune.com slash sports and of course each day in the printed edition of the News and Tribune as well. Lots of great coverage, and thank you very much, Josh.
3: Uh, Thank you, Matt. Have a great day.
2: All right, that wraps up this uh, Thursday show. We are headed into Friday, and IU's next outing Monday against Ohio State on the road. Lots of high school stuff coming up this weekend as well. Be back with us tomorrow at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.